Rachel, did you know that I'm a mutant? Say what? Yes, red hair and blue eyes are caused by mutations. In reality, everyone has some mutations in their genes that help make them who they are. This week we watched the original X-Men movie from 2000. This movie delved into the genetics behind some of Marvel's superheroes, as well as the politics of mutant versus normal people. Before we get into the science behind the movie, we wanted to give you a recap in case you haven't seen the movie for yourself. This movie opens with a girl named Marie kissing her boyfriend, and he suddenly starts having a seizure. It seems like this has happened several times before by the way that she reacts to him. We next see her heading to a cage fight where she meets the very jacked Hugh Jackman, who we see pummel a guy, and of course the notorious Wolverine claws come out not too long after. Marie hides in Wolverine's car, desiring to talk to him about her powers, since he has powers as well. Then both her and Wolverine end up at Xavier's school for the gifted children, where Xavier houses and trains many mutant children. At this point in history, mutants are fighting for their rights because most Americans think mutants can't control their powers and will hurt those who don't have powers. It's argued that mutant children are weapons in schools, which is why Xavier houses them. Besides the government trying to control mutants, there's also a war between Xavier and another mutant, Magneto, over Marie, who's later called Rogue in the movie, and her power. So if that intro didn't get you excited to watch this movie, you should go pause our podcast and go watch X-Men, because it is a fantastic movie. And they do some really cool graphic stuff, even being done in the 2000s. But this movie only briefly explains the genetics of X-Men. It's kind of, the movie begins and you wonder, well, how are these people different from the considered normal people? We learn that mutations manifest at puberty and are triggered at heights of emotional distress. Everyone's mutations are very different. Some people, like Wolverine, are super strong and have regenerative capability, meaning that they can get shot and be totally fine. Other people like Jean Grey are telepathic, and others like Storm can control the weather. In a follow-up movie, X-Men The Last Stand, they explain that the X-Men have their powers from the X-Gene, meaning that it was one gene that controlled their ability to be X-Men. This is quite interesting because in most cases of human disease, many genes work together to cause the, the disease. There are few instances where one gene causes a trait or disease. Not to bring up my own research too much, but Alexander disease is a pretty good example of this. Over 90% of the patients have confirmed mutations in just one gene, GFAP. In X-Men Last Stand, they're actually able to suppress mutant powers by targeting the X gene. This is similar to how some therapies are being developed to target individual genes that cause disease. One example of this is the DMD gene, which when constructed incorrectly leads to Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and this is marked by muscle loss and wasting. But currently there's a therapy that can target this one gene and prevent this disease from being as devastating. That's fascinating. There's actually a similar strategy in the works for Alexander disease. Investigators are currently working to develop therapies that would target the messenger RNA. So we know that, you know, instead of DNA, messenger RNA is like a stepping stone between DNA and protein. 
Anyways, this treatment would target the messenger RNA for GFAP to prevent the GFAP protein from being made and to better the outcome for patients. Anyways, let's get into the hypothetical of whether X-Men could actually be possible. The way that X-Men are described as being X-Men off of one gene is a bit far-fetched because so many of our traits rely on the interactions of multiple genes. However, there are a few instances in humans where mutations in one gene can cause some pretty crazy phenotypes. Every time our DNA is copied from one cell to another, we can have mutations that result from the copying machinery going awry. This is estimated to happen about one in every 10,000 nucleotides. And to put that in perspective, we have 6 billion nucleotides in every strand of DNA. So it seems like these, this could be a lot of mutations. However, our bodies are amazing at repairing mistakes in DNA because one mistake can sometimes seriously affect our abilities as humans. With X-Men, their powers come out at times of puberty or stress. This is pretty interesting because there are actually a set of proteins called heat shock proteins that help your cells during times of stress by helping to fold other proteins properly. Basically, the heat shock proteins act as a buffer to help certain mutations from having an effect. When scientists mutated some of the heat shock proteins in flies, they saw major issues in the flies indicating that these heat shock proteins could be preventing other mutations from having an effect in the flies. So you've heard of the word mutation, and you may wonder, well, what does this actually mean? There are actually several different types of mutations. Morphological mutations affect someone's physical characteristics, like someone who has polydactyly, and that's where they have more than five fingers or toes on their hands or feet. Morphological mutations are also what was happening to those flies where they had legs growing out of their eyes and all these sort of ways that their bodies were kind of messed up. Lethal mutations are what they sound like. They are lethal. Many early miscarriages actually are due to lethal mutations. Conditional mutations present themselves in certain environments. The X-Men are interesting because their mutations normally present at puberty, so it almost seems like their mutations are conditional, meaning that they have to be going through this time of changes in their body, and that causes their mutation to kind of activate in a way. Loss of function mutations are mutations that cause a loss of function of a protein. In humans, albinism is an example of this because people with albinism have a loss of the pigment melanin in their skin. The types of mutation that we're interested in are gain-of-function mutations. These mutations confer an additional function to the protein. Now, it may sound like a good thing to have a gain-of-function in a protein, but in reality, most gain-of-function mutations present with their own difficulties. One example of this is the sickle cell disease, which we've actually talked about quite a bit in our recent episodes on race and genetics and race and medicine, in case you haven't had a chance to listen to those. Sickle cell disease is caused by two recessive gene copies, which lead to the sickle cell shape of the blood cell. However, when someone has just one of the recessive gene copies, they are dominant for resistance to malaria. And this means that even though they have this variant gene copy, they are protected from getting malaria. For the person who has this one recessive gene copy, it's really great for them if they're in an area where malaria is more present because that means they can be resistant. However, they can then pass this recessive copy of their gene down to their children. 
And if their child inherited another recessive copy from the other parent, then that child would have sickle cell anemia. Some mutations can actually be a loss of function, but still confer abilities. In the case of X-Men, Beast, who did not appear in the first X-Men movie, has super strength. His abilities, minus his blue skin, could be explained by a mutation in the gene myostatin, which Emma happens to know quite a bit about since she studies muscle development in the lab. I do indeed study the differences between baby and adult muscle and the genetic transitions that happen to allow those changes to happen. That sound okay. As we develop, our muscle changes genetically to allow us to go from floppy baby muscles to strong adult muscles. However, our muscles have to have a point where they stop changing and growing unless you go pound some serious weight at the gym, but that's a whole other kind of muscle development. The gene responsible for stopping your muscles at a certain point is called myostatin, and it works to prevent the growth of your skeletal muscle, which are the muscles connected to your skeleton. When this gene is deleted, it causes crazy growth of skeletal muscles, and this has been seen in people, dogs, and cattle. Seriously, if you Google myostatin dog, it's a picture of this hugely jacked dog. I mean, this thing looks terrifying, like something out of a movie. Yeah, if that was chasing you down the street, you would run real fast. Even though this mutation is a loss of function mutation, it does almost seem like a gain of function because people, cattle, and dogs have more muscle strength when they don't have uh, function in this gene. However, it's still loss of function if we're categorizing this by genetics. One point that's made in the X-Men movie is that the X-Men are basically the superior version of Homo sapiens. I think they even refer to them as Homo superior. So they're trying to indicate in this movie that the X-Men are a new species. It seems like their crazy abilities would mean that they have evolved into a new species, but in reality there are certain characteristics about being a new species that X-Men do not meet. Yes, in order for something to be considered a new species from humans, they would have to be unable to mate with other humans, which in the case of X-Men, they are able to meet with humans, so they don't meet this requirement. If the X-Men were new species, we might expect their powers to be less varied and more similar between different X-Men, but as we see in the movie, they have some pretty crazy powers that are quite different. Lastly, Even though the first movie doesn't address their genetic powers as resulting from one gene, the second movie establishes this. And to be a new species, genetic changes should be much more ingrained in the genome as opposed to just being due to changes in one gene. It usually takes a lot of time for these genetic changes to occur naturally. One instance of this is in Europeans where they evolved the ability to process lactose. And you kind of see in more Asian cultures, they have more lactose intolerance, but most Europeans can process lactose because they really only had milk to be able to drink and they needed to get nutrients from milk. In the movie, the villain Magneto tries to circumvent this timing issue of needing a lot of time for genetic changes to happen. Magneto believes that the mutants are superior and he wants to turn the normal people into mutants by using radiation to quickly create mutations in their DNA. While it's true that radiation will cause mutations in DNA, the problem with this is that radiation is not specific. It's a brute force approach that will cause mutations in unpredictable places. In fact, radiation is sometimes used in cancer therapy to kill cancer cells. 
However, this treatment also causes damage to healthy non-cancer cells. But the cancer cells are more sensitive because they have defective machinery to respond to DNA damage. Hence, the healthy cells are usually able to make repairs while the cancer cells die. Even though healthy cells are able to survive, it's possible that they may accumulate mutations from the radiation. And this is the principle behind why Magneto wants to zap the population with radiation to turn them into mutants in the final scene. However, in reality, this method is unlikely to work. Since radiation is not targeted at all, the chances that the X gene would become mutated are very low. Perhaps now that we know about CRISPR, which was discovered about 12 years after this movie came out, CRISPR might be a better approach. Yes, we seem to always come back to the concept of CRISPR on this podcast. Can you tell that we both have a background in genetics? (laughs) But as a broad reminder, CRISPR is a method for gene editing. In the lab, we can use this technique to make specific changes in DNA, similar to editing a Microsoft Word document. We can make deletions, we can add sequences, or cut and paste a sequence to prepare a mutation, for instance. So in the case of Magneto wanting to mutate the X gene, this would be a more targeted approach that would be less likely to cause unintended mutations. What's more is that since CRISPR is so targeted and you can use the cut and paste method, Magneto could have even like tried to make specific mutations in the X gene if he wanted to try making mutants with particular powers. In fact, this idea isn't exactly far-fetched. Some scientists believe that we should use CRISPR technology to artificially enhance humans. Of course, we're not arguing it's possible to give people superpowers such as controlling the weather, but generating humans that are faster and stronger, have heightened senses, or are better equipped for living in space, for instance, are all possible directions. However, this gets into the dangerous territory of eugenics, as we'll discuss soon, and how do we define what is normal or better. Going off of this, besides the genetics in X-Men, another really important theme in the movie is how the mutants are viewed by those who don't have genetic superpowers. The movie highlights a politician who's trying to convince people that mutants are dangerous, need to be registered, and should not be in schools because they're a threat to other children. In essence, he tries to dehumanize mutants to prevent them from having normal human lives. In genetics, we often talk about how the word mutation is a term fraught with baggage. First of all, mutations have to be relative to something. So does someone have a mutation relative to a European, an Asian, or an African? We've mentioned before that with many genetic association studies that look at genetics of populations, most of this work is done in European populations. So what scientists define as a normal copy of a gene variant could be considered normal in another population, but called mutant because it's being compared to a European population. Technically, something is considered a mutation when less than 1% of the population has that mutation. But again, if most of your sample size is European, Asian and African variants of the gene could be considered a mutation. Take lactose intolerance, for instance, that Emma brought up earlier. I think most people, especially in this country, would classify lactose intolerance as abnormal. However, it's actually people that can process lactose have the mutation. So it's all relative to what you decide is normal. The word mutation also conjures up images of lab experiments gone wrong, when in reality we are all mutants and have mutations that make us who we are. It's estimated that every human has 60 new genetic mutations, 
This isn't many mutations when you compare it to the uh, complexity and size of our genome, but it does demonstrate that we all have mutations. There are definitely parallels that can be drawn between how mutants are treated in this movie and how those with disabilities or disease are treated. Humans can feel uncomfortable around those who are different from them, whether that be politically, religious, skin color, or how they look. And in this movie, we see that humans without genetic superpowers were afraid of the X-Men and thus wanted to control them. In our world, there's a culture of ableism, which is where certain abilities are looked at as higher than other abilities, especially certain mental and physical abilities. One example of ableism in real life was the lack of online workshops and conferences pre-COVID-19. For years, disabled people have been requesting more digital accessibility, whether this be captioning to workshop videos, people at conferences actually using the microphones, or screen reading and sign language options. Once COVID-19 hit, everything was made available online, but this was not due to the push of disabled people, but rather the push of those who were able and requiring these things to be made available. In the movie, we see that the X-Men are made fun of and jeered at, and sadly, this often happens to disabled people. A lot of this stems from our culture and our emphasis on normal, whether it be physically or mentally normal. Anyone not following the norm is labeled as weird, different, interesting, etc. There's a great danger to considering a certain genetic sequence normal, as well as considering a certain look or specific mental state as normal. Yes, we've seen in history when people are labeled as different how easy it is to make the jump to considering them not human and the horrible atrocities that result. X-Men is a fascinating story and gets us excited about genetics. However, like most science movies, there's a lot more science fiction than actual science. (laughs) 